Film Society of Lincoln Center, you're listening to The Close-Up. Each week, we bring you in-depth conversations with today's leading filmmakers. It's June 15th, 2016. I'm Michael Lodemark, one of the show's producers. Today, we're sharing a 2013 conversation with legendary cinematographer Pierre Lhomme, whose half-century-long career has had a profound effect on film history in France and abroad. On the occasion of the 50th anniversary re-release of La Jolie May, which was co-directed by Loam and Chris Marker in 1962, we celebrated the then 83-year-old filmmaker at a special one-night event. The evening featured screenings of three of his acclaimed works from the 60s, Jean-Pierre Melville's Army of Shadows, and two shorts, Chris Marker's Be Seeing You and Class of Struggle. Following the films, Loam joined the Film Society's director of programming, Dennis Lim, for a career-spanning discussion. As we join the conversation, Loam is talking about his relationship to Jean-Pierre Melville. First of all, Melville is the first adult cinema, uh, filmmaker with whom I did work. Uh, before this film, I had been working with friends of mine, with colleagues, the same generation, and suddenly this, uh, I was very surprised when he did ask me to shoot his film. And I was afraid because uh, I was not uh, mature enough as a cinematographer to face this kind of person who is not uh, gentle and easy to, to work with, you know. When I see the, the <laughs> I saw the end of the film, I wanted to, to recall. And this film was a daily challenge to me because there was no uh, uh, a real uh, friendship between Melville and I. Uh, we had respect and so on, but uh, we had not the same look of a cinematography. And, but little by little, you know, I, I did learn how to manage in a studio. I was not used to. I had done, um, maybe, I don't know, a week of work in a studio on a film with Alain Cavalier. It was my first step uh, in a studio. But <laughs> this first step was with a good friend of mine. And uh, it was an easy step. But with Melville, it was a tough step. Other question because I am. Yes, yes. Well, um, <laughs> do you know why Melville approached you for this film? Look, it, when we met first, and we, we knew uh, eventually at that time the, the, the film library in Paris was very small, and everyone going to see, in, to, see to go to the Cinematheque would know each other, more or less. And when I first met him, it it starts with a phone call, as always. And uh, uh, he spoke to me about the, the three, four films I had already made. And uh, because I did ask him, why do you ask me? And he said, because the way you film the skin, skin tones. I was very <laughs> surprised. Because <laughs> maybe I did. <laughs> I did it uh, a, a good way, but I. It was uh, instinctive. It was not a, a preconceived uh, technique. So, 
But when you see the film, you understand why he did not want a, uh, uh, let's see, a classical cinematographer. So the first time, it only picked me up in this uh, in a small uh, station nearby his house, and I had to jump in his car, and we went to his home, and we had an omelette, and we spoke about films during a few hours. That's the way it started. There are uh, a few, I think, extraordinary sequences in the in the film. I, I'm wondering if anything sort of stays with you the memory of shooting it of the opening shot is one that's very memorable that you know just that choreographed march along the arc de triomphe the opening shot i mean i will <laughs> i shall say a few things about it because first this shot was uh, at the end of the film then it came back at the beginning of the film then it went back to the back of the film and the first day of the screening in paris the Melville did ask to the uh, editing woman uh, to come with the, uh, the special machine, you know, to cut film at that moment. You, okay. Because he told them it will, it will change, it might change depending on the reaction of the, the audience. So after this first screening, it's always a Wednesday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. This is a tradition. He said, uh, <laughs> on a, my cocotte, <laughs> Please come. We cut the first shot. We put it at the uh, we we the, the last shot. We put it at the beginning, and that's it. And he said, "But I shall never ask to any German soldiers to go down the Champs Elysees. So what I need is no one knows how to to walk as a German shot soldier. But I don't want any German soldier. <laughs> so I will have dancers." <laughs> so he, 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 he had, uh, I don't know how many dancers, rehearsing for a week or two in the studio to learn how to walk like German soldiers. <laughs> and uh, once in a while, he, uh, when we had a, a, a difficult shot to prepare, he, he would say, uh, okay, keep going, I'm going to see my dancers. <laughs> <laughs> but the main point is, to me, was the, uh, the, the decision he took after the first screening with a real audience. It was to put this incredible shot at the beginning. So that was the day that the film was already in theaters, when he made that decision yeah. to change it? The first, the first uh, screening with an audience, yeah. a real audience. The film is now known as, um, you know, it's, it's <coughs> for its harsh reception when it first opened. It wasn't very well received by critics at the time, and in fact was never released in the United States. The, the only version that received a theatrical release was the restoration that you worked on in 2006. Yes, and I came, I came in right. New York to, in right. to introduce it. Do you remember the initial reviews? And they were not good, but it's a, it's a long story because we should speak about the French politics and, uh, and the, uh, the way the politics is, is alive in France. We were fed up with uh, De Gaulle. Now we think he was a great man, but at that moment, most of them, most of us, mostly the young people, we were fed up with him. And this, this film is a typical Gaullist film. And I remember, you know, it's, uh, when, when uh, Melville was finishing the editing, 
his dream was to present this film to De Gaulle at the Opera House in Paris. Unfortunately, he could not. But he, to, to, to him, this film is, is also an homage to De Gaulle. And it came at the wrong moment, <laughs> that's all, you know, and uh, little by little in France, this film became a cult film, yeah. but it was, you know, this is not the first time a film is rejected when it comes to the audience, and the time makes the, uh, the, the film to reveal himself. We, you, we have a wonderful experience in, in, uh, in the States that, uh, I don't know if, some of you have, have seen The King of Arts from, you know. This film has been a tremendous cult film in, 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 uh, in your country. And uh, in, in France, it was a total uh, uh, failure, total failure. No one in the, in the theater. And now it's a cult film. <laughs> uh, I, I, won't, I will leave time for audience questions, but I wanted to actually get to, um, to Chris Marker, who's um, will be uh, seeing work that he was involved in in the second half of the, the program. And I know that you're in town to present another restoration that you worked on of Le Jolie Maid film, which is opening at, at Film Forum tomorrow. To me it's more, much more than the restoration. It's a new version entirely for Yes, but to uh, me it's more than that. It's the, the, my encounter with a wonderful person. Mm -hmm. This is what is the most important. Right. It's not a film, it's the person I met who is the most important to me nowadays. Can you tell us a bit more about... No. <laughs> <laughs> no, not now. You know, it's uh, fire and ice. I mean, so so difficult to speak about Let Chris Barker I'll ask when you just saw this film. I mean, it's too... Uh, I'm cutting two pieces. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's too... Well, let, maybe let, let me ask you a few specific questions about Le Jolie May, and then maybe that will be a, a way to... <laughs> um, this, um, can you say a bit about the, the, the process of making the film? Obviously, this was, um, you were using what was then relatively new technology, portable cameras, and sync sound. Uh, this, uh, <coughs> this was, a, I think, a very a pivotal film for Chris Marker in his career. I think it's uh, you can look at it as a film that leads directly to the film that we're going to see, in a way, Abiento Jesper. This is a film that yeah, is his, re his, return, way, yeah. his return to, to, um, to Paris, and also, I think, a film that uses interviews. I think when his previous films were much more um, first-person and uh, sort of voiceover-driven. Can you... Say a little bit about the process of making the film, uh, conducting interviews on the street. Do you remember what people's reactions were and what your reactions? You mean about uh, yeah, uh, about seeing, la Jolie seeing you about, about la, la Jolie la, No, about la Jolie May. Conducting I interviews on the street. The sure. This is such an experience. It's uh, I mean, uh, it it was an experiment as a human experiment and as an experiment of a new equipment. But the most important was that with this new equipment, we could be uh, modest and, and uh, uh, gentle with, with the people we were going to work with, uh, which this was totally impossible with the old uh, 
So the only thing we spoke about with Chris Marker when we were preparing this film was how to go to the to the to the others, how to not aggress them because you know usually people are aggressed by the camera, by the microphone, and uh, as Chris uh, used to say, I don't want them to tell me what I'm expecting. So the, 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 this was the, uh, you know, uh, it was the beginning of, of a new relation between someone that you interview and, and, and yourself. And uh, what Chris expected was that uh, knowing the others, which is not so easy because we don't know the others in normal life. You know a few persons around you, the other ones, you know them through the paper, through the newsreel, or nowadays through the TV, but most of the time you are cheated. And uh, so we was expecting that uh, when someone would speak about an African, he would also have uh, in mind the African we met during the film, and that those two images would overlap. I don't know. I'm okay. <laughs> for, I guess for people, but there's so many things to say about the Jolie May. Because as far as far as I'm concerned, I was discovering what is an image with sound. Mm -hmm. You know, it's total. I, I used to. Uh, I love newsreel work and uh, reportage and things like that. But the moment you have the sync sound, your look becomes totally different totally different because you have to listen carefully so this is why in the in the, in the Jolie May with the sound engineer the, f the second or third day I don't remember it but we I did ask for headphones to have the what, to be very close to the words more than to the image so that the image would be uh, I could say uh, it's a film about the words so <laughs> the, the, the camera has to film the words. Right. Uh, yeah. It's not so easy to explain. But uh, this was a big change, you know. And, and uh, we had seen the first, uh, all the work of uh, Leacock and uh, the Mezzel's brother and so on. We, we were said, oh, my goodness, how can they do that? Mm -hmm. They had an equipment we had not. And uh, as soon as we had an equipment with the uh, uh, the same possibilities. We were overexcited. Mm -hmm. It's it's a film that's often um, actually maybe we should say for people who haven't seen Le Jolie May, uh, it's uh, a film shot in Paris uh, in the month of May 1962. I think a film that uh, draws a lot of uh, on interviews um, with 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 people and. I think it's, it's a film that tries to capture this the state of mind at, um, of of people. In Paris, but I can say, as the film is, be, is is to be shown this week yes. in New York, don't miss it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm not. Uh, it's a very sincere advice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, then it would be easier to speak about it. You know, but it's. I think some people have. Have people ask me questions? Uh, have people here seen the film? Okay, a good number of people have seen it. Um, 
just it's often Le Jolie May is often um, written about and talked about in connection with um, the film by Jean Rouge and Edgar Morin, Chronicle of a Summer. Yes. To what extent were you responding to that film? To the to, to the, the uh, Chronicle yeah, of Polygamity. Yeah. I'm not sure, but maybe I, I have not seen it. What I had seen, and which did impress me a lot, was the work of a ca French-Canadian cameraman, cinematographer. Uh, just the word Michel is uh, Michel Bro. Uh, Michel Bro, who is now a very good friend of mine. This is what I recall from the. I did look at this film last week, just because uh, uh, many persons they just when they speak about the Shirley May, they also they also want to speak about Chronic Danete. Yeah. And to me, it's totally different. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's an enjoyable work. I mean, it's a very good work, the Chronic uh, Danete. But it's a preconceived, totally preconceived, <laughs> overacted. And uh, uh, the feeling I had last week when I did look at this film, I was saying, they are telling us, look how intelligent we are, how clever we are. <laughs> and this is, to me, uh, it has great qualities, but it has it's totally different from the the uh, the uh, what we had in mind when we did the Jolie May. Totally different. the The relation with the with the people was totally different. They were also mostly filming people that they knew. Yes, in, it in was like a bunch of friends right. would say, "Okay, we will fame, fair, uh, we will do a film uh, in Cinema Verité." Right. And to us, Cinema Verité was a big lie and a big shit. <laughs> and and uh, we, we took the word of Cinema Direct because it was not so pretentious. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, and someone said, and this, in a way, this is the Verité, uh, that the, the, the people pretending that they make Cinema Verité, in fact, they make their own Verité, mm -hmm. their own truth. Right. And, and that's it. <laughs> to pretend that you are uh, that you are able to deliver the truth is really uh, pretentious, presumptuous, presumptuous, presumptuous. Either one. Let us be modest about the truth. We still are trying to find it. The other thing that's uh, striking about <coughs> uh, reading about just the pr the circumstances around the making of Le Jolie May was that. Um, Chris Marker was making La Jetée at the same time, which of course is now his He was thinking of La Jetée and uh, he started to make photos at the end of the film. Mm. And uh, because I remember after, f uh, after the film, uh, I've been uh, quite quickly in an hospital and he was coming to the hospital to show me the, the, the photos and he was telling me, look Pierre, I'm going to, f to make a film without film, only with photos. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and I'm very sorry. I, if I if I had not been in an hospital, I, I uh, would have been acting in this film. I am jealous about my friends who have been acting in this uh, photo. How do you call it? A photo film? I don't <laughs> I'm jealous. Do you see any uh, connection between the two in, in terms of his things he was interested in at the time, things you were talking about? This. In a way, I think there's a certain anxiety about the future in Le Jolie May, which you could... You see, it's, uh, 
every one of us has a double uh, mm. trip. I don't know many faces, and uh, obviously, uh, when Chris, when we were doing the Jolie May, we were look, we were trying to understand and to look at things. In La Je in La Jetée, he, he, he speaks about his uh, uh, dreams. Mm. I, I don't know. You know, it's very tricky. I think there is no the link between the two is uh, the Chris Marker uh, uh, capacity. Mm -hmm. You know, it yeah. jumps from one uh, thing to the other. He's a wonderful writer. He's a wonderful photographer. The last years, he was dealing with the new technology, just like a, a fifteen years old boy, you know. And so, uh, he, well, he has <laughs> many, many, many capacities. So, the relation between the Jolie May and La Jetée, it's Chris Marker, nothing else. <laughs> um. I want to let the audience ask you some questions because I'm sure I'm sure they will have some. But um, let me just ask you one one general uh, question about your your body of work and, and your career. And as when I was introducing the program earlier this evening, I, I said that I, I couldn't think of anybody who had worked on so many great films, but with so many different directors. Um, you seem to have this um, capacity to work with many very different kinds of directors and on very different kinds of films? <laughs> it's a very difficult question. <laughs> I, I may try to cheat you. I would say ask to the directors. <laughs> ask them because uh, they, they did choose. But I've not, I did refuse also but you, right, many, you, you many made choices things. as well. I did also refuse many, many things, many films. I, Sometime we were running out of money, I had to do uh, anything, you know, a, a bad film. But most of the time, when we had enough money to, to, uh, to eat and, and feed the, 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 the children, I would refuse to not, I mean, if, if, if I was not uh, happy with the scenario, I would refuse. Gently, in a gentle way, I would say, I, d I would never say you Scenario is a is not worthwhile. I would say it was not available. That's all. Um, we'll come. Question difficult. We'll come back to uh, to to Chris Marker and to uh, t let's talk a little bit about Aviento Jasper before you see it. But uh, I just wanted to open it up to questions about either the film we've seen or about uh, any other films that that Pierre has worked on. I'll just repeat the question. The question is but the, the most uh, difficult sequence uh, in the making of Army of Shadows. The most difficult at the beginning. To, to, to understand how to work with a man like Melville who was a very uh, strong character. This was the most difficult. But I can tell you that all the film was difficult. I don't... Uh, as I said before, but it's not a joke, it was a daily challenge. And uh, this is what Melville expected, in a way, from everybody around him, to not be happy shooting. <laughs> <laughs> to make effort, to, 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 
to deal with difficulties. He would not, <laughs> that's very strange, but I he does not like happy people around him. <laughs> if you, he had two assistants, very good, very two wonderful boys. And uh, they, they, were, they had very friendly relations. And I remember that the main worry of uh, Melville was to, to break, to, uh, to, uh, to, bre uh, to break this good relation between those two guys. <laughs> it's, so, you know, it's a, it's a very strange uh, person, but uh, let's, you know, what do surprise me a lot when I see, when I saw again this film, when I restored the film, was the incredible uh, efficiency of the, of the, uh, of the, uh, of his work. Uh, if you if you look at the ten first minutes of this film of the the Army of Shadows, you understand and you see so many things. You understand about the main characters. You understand very sincere things about the French during occupation. Uh, you see the relation between uh, uh, the main character between Gerbier and uh, his colleagues in the first jail where he was. I mean. And this is so uh, obviously, uh, uh, e it's evident to any audience. I mean, it's, uh, I have so many, you see the first, the, 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 this scene looks, uh, when we did, when we did shoot it, 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 it was very simple. When we did shoot the scene of the last, what I call it, the same, the last cigarette, you know, when all those guys are supposed to be brought in, in uh, it's so it, it, it's so simple, so strong, you know, and it's only static shots. I mean, the one after the other, to the last one with the empty back. Yeah. You know, it's uh, you cry when you see that, when you understand it, and the the, the work of uh, of Melville as a film director is is incredibly uh, good. I, I don't know if I did answer to the question because everything was difficult. Everything was difficult. Yeah. Yeah, so we talked earlier about how the film was... This person asked what Loam thought of the film while they were making it and whether he thought about the politics of it. When I understood that the film was uh, had, uh, this uh, gaullist look, I was not feeling very well. No, you know the point is that when you are shooting such a film, I mean you are s so much involved in the, your work that you don't have a, 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 a critical point of view. Or you are, if you are French, which is my case, you are always critical. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but uh, no, the reality is that you are so much involved that you have no, uh, I mean, you, you, are, you are stuck by the, the, the work, by the film. And also, the remarkable actors. And, but you know, between the main actor, Lino Ventura, and, and uh, Melville, they would hate each other. They could not speak the one with the other. It, it, we had a, a terrible, Melville was enjoying to create a terrible mood around <laughs> him, 
and, uh, and but it went very far because with with his, the main character of the film, I mean, they they could not exchange a word, and, w and, and he was trying to uh, to uh, comment dit le la moindrir le français le français to offend. He was trying to offend him in front of the of the of the. Uh, uh, crew, I mean, it's incredible uh, uh <laughs> you know, atmosphere, detestable, hate, <laughs> detestable. <laughs> you know that. That's you know we have so many words in common. Only the pronunciation is different, but the word <laughs> is the same. Detestable, detestable. Did I? I mean, I try to answer. Yeah. Did I answer to your question? When you said that, um, that when you saw it had a kind of Gaullist look or aspect, you were a little disappointed. Is that something you felt initially, and then you uh, forgot it as you got absorbed in your work, or is that something you only realized at the end and then felt a little disappointed? No, it, it, it uh, no, no. Little by little, I changed my mind. <laughs> you know, it's. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This person asked how they got the specific blue-green look of Army of Shadows. The, my men, you know, f f I, when I say I, I, I'm speaking about the people of, of my generation. That the, you come into a studio for the first time or the second time or the third time before you had been working on, on, on location re with real light. And when you come into the studio, you try to to make it to not make it look like a studio, even if the we know I know perfectly the great cinematographers who did work wonderful work in a studio. This is not what I, I wanted to to do, you know. And and uh, I was always uh, uh, trying to make it to make the light. Uh, uh, natural it's very pretentious but i was trying and uh, this is why in this kind of uh, of film it was a new way to uh, to work in a studio i am close to the question to the the question or well, not well i'm not sure if 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 i'm if everybody in the room agrees with me but the the thing about melville is there is always this saturated sort of teal blue color no, no, it's not desaturated. It, I did desaturate a little when you have, when I, I did the DI, I mean the, the digital restoration. But the problem is that he hates, and, also, and I hate also the warm colors. <laughs> so when you, when you prepare, when you scout, when you look at for the, the look at for the, the, uh, the set, the costume and everything, you go in a direction you avoid the, the means yellow or red, uh, uh, Melville would faint, <laughs> you know. So little by little, and uh, he likes the blue, I do like the blue very much, the blue-green I love, and, and so on. And little by little, the, 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 the film loses a monochrome, one, one color film, and the, the, uh, the remembrance many People, uh, many, even even many friends of mine, when they speak about the film, they speak about a, a black and white film. 
only because it's uh, it's not desaturated. It's not. There's nothing special about the way uh, the film is made in the lab. Uh, it's it's. It, this is what we made on the set. In front, this is what we show in front of the camera. The question, Robert Bresson on Four Nights of a Dreamer. Oh my goodness. This is another world. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm never going to talk to you again. So do it now. <laughs> I, I, wanted, uh, I wanted to show, just because it's another world, the, the Four Nights of a Dreamer. No, no, Bresson is by himself a monument. And he has such a, did you read his book? Okay, so now you understand, uh, you understand <laughs> the person. And uh, you know, sometimes during your, uh, on your itinerary, your career, you receive lessons about, in my, in my situation, lessons about cinematography. And Bresson is one of the person with whom I had a very great lesson. Much, so much different from the one I have had with uh, with Melville, uh, but I did learn a lot, and uh, mostly because also I decided to uh, to be the cameraman also of this film. I had no I was handling the camera, and this is w with Bresson. This is in this case you understand how how it works, and uh, you know it's. I don't want to, to, to speak too much about Bresson because it's still another world. But his way of doing is to rejecting, to reject. So he does not know what he wants. He does not know what he wants. He knows and he finds little by little what he does not want, what he does not like. And at, at the end of this uh, 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 way, he, uh, we have the shot. But it's always, I don't want this, I don't want that. Oh, this horrible. <laughs> Ooh, I mean, this, you know, it's, it's, it's another way of, uh, of, of working. Who is more this is, who is, this more is what is so exciting in our profession. Who is more fun? Melville or Brasson? <laughs> oh, you know, it's very, I mean, very often they are fun at the beginning and <laughs> tough at the end. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's funny. It's a, it's a word I never, I have never in mind when I shoot when I make a film. <laughs> it's too difficult. <laughs> yeah. I I wanted to ask uh, follow up on the question of chronique. This person asked about. Loam's strategy for representing truth in La Jolie May. You are right. I mean, so we, we were discovering, I mean, to have the, the, the possibility to, uh, to film and to record in such a way that it's not a, a big deal that you may, we, it, it, we were discovering a real pleasure. You know, when I see those uh, first films, uh, handheld with the sound, I see how uh, excited and happy I was to show the things the way I was seeing and hearing. Uh, 
but the, the anyway the the uh, the difference is great between uh, chronique d'anété and the jolie may it's more i mean i feel more comfortable when i see a mesel's film than uh, uh, chronique d'anété which to me as you you use the word fabricated and uh, i think chronique d'anété uh, you feel too much it is fabricated This person asked about Lohm's relationship to the French New Wave of the 1960s. Yes, let's, if we start to speak, I, I, I was uh, in the New Wave from top to toes. <laughs> but, but, you know, the, 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 the critics uh, reduce the, the, the New Wave to five or six persons. It is a big, big and stupid lie. <laughs> Uh, between the f f 1955 and 1965, maybe 30 young directors came up, you know, and uh, I don't know, only uh, the, the real uh, cinephile, or film addict knows them. So, uh, uh, you had two, two ways to become a director a film director. Either you had uh, uh, follow a kind of uh, curses, as we say, I mean, you had learned, you went in a school, or you had been a director's assistant, and this was a, uh, <coughs> let's say, a classical way to, uh, to go into the, this profession. And you have the other uh, uh, possibility is to come from the photography, to come from the, the army newsreel, like Qatar, uh, uh, and uh, you know, those different uh, uh, schools never really uh, uh, work together. You are so they are close, the one together, but they don't work together. <coughs> I don't know if I'm clear. Well, I'm not sure. Ignore my ignorance of, of the new wave and of French history. Um, you who has intimate knowledge of it, that that time seemed like a very particular time in film history that it somehow stands out from the, the general trajectory of Yes, we were, we were, I mean, everybody, even the people coming out, coming out from the school, uh, uh, wanted to speak about their life and what they knew. And this is, and this, all those people were young. They were between 25 and 30. So what they had to say and their look over the, 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 the life and the society was totally different from the traditional one. And this you feel it in the, in the, in the, in the film and you feel it in the scenario. And you also feel it, uh, what is the director we, we used to like very much? It is Jacques Becker, uh, because we, we, we understood that he was uh, very uh, fascinated by young people and that he was trying to speak about the way the young people love <laughs> and the, but the traditional French cinema at, at the I mean it was so different from the, uh, the, the daily life we had in, in the 60s so the people coming into the, 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 the film industry in the 60s and the between and the 50s and the f and the 50s 
had a total, totally different education. And this is what we, we feel nowadays when we see those films. It's, it's uh, you know, those questions are very good, but very, uh, I mean, it would take a while to, to make the answer clear. I think there's a hand in the back that we can't see. Yes. This person asked about Loam's memories of working with Chris Marker. Way. <laughs> First of all, he's, he's really an exceptional person. And uh, he's very courageous, and he's very, uh, um, come on, uh, I missed the words. Say, uh, I don't have the good words on my, on my lips. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> In transitions? <laughs> and courage? <laughs> and fascinated by life and history. And uh, look, I never met a man with so many qualities. So it's, it's hard to, uh, to make a speech about it. It would take too long. If t look, the way, the way uh, we did look at the workers in Besançon in the film you are going to see. You will never heard, you, you, you will discover workers like you never did before. Why? Who, who, gives, who creates the mood? Who uh, has to, uh, uh, the, he loves the people. And I think the, when he speaks with them, the, the people understand that they are in front of someone who appreciate them. So uh, it gives them the freedom to express themselves. This you feel all the time in Le Joli May, but you will feel it also in A Bientôt J'espère. That's tough questions, always good. <laughs> Thank you for your questions. Um, I just like you to say, Pierre, maybe a few more words about um, Abiento Jasper, which we're, we're going to see next. Um, perhaps you could say a bit more about the, the climate in which the film was made. Um, I know we actually showed Far From Vietnam here a few weeks ago, uh, and that was, I think, one of the things that instigated yes, Marker's move towards collective filmmaking. Yes, but Loin du Vietnam, he was helping. Right. He did help to, to uh, put together all the, uh, the work of other yeah. persons. In A Bientôt J'espère, also he did use and work a lot with a man who, with a, 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 yes, more or less unknown, Mario Marais, mm -hmm. and another uh, 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 cinematographer, Bruno Muel, and uh, all the scenes of the real strike uh, are made by these, those uh, persons. And with, uh, with Chris, we mostly made the relation the, the human relation with the on peut dire protagonist I speak English perfectly <laughs> so the other protagonist <laughs> I use it for the first time I'm not going to forget it and uh, 
So this is very interesting because part of the film had, has, has been made before we, we start shooting. But we, were when we went to Besançon, uh, where is this factory, La Rodiaceta, we were living with uh, the, the, the workers. We were invited and living with them. And uh, also, we were, they were discovering uh, uh, filmmakers and we were discovering uh, workers. And uh, after this experience, you know, uh, there was an experience very interesting in early 68 uh, that Chris and some others wanted the, the, the workers to make their own film by themselves. So he organized uh, uh, um, uh, uh, French technicians from Paris to come over to Besançon to teach to the workers how to use a, a eight millimeters camera or a 16 mils camera and, and uh, having an editing table and trying to do their own films. It, you know, I saw again the film, uh, uh, as I told you on my computer the, yesterday and last week also because I knew I, I was, you were going to show it. Uh, it's, it's this period, the, the 60, 67, 68, many dreams were possible. Many demons were possible. And, and, and the fight had a, 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 an end, a, a, a goal. It's very so different nowadays. As as I told you, yes, the the, the there is no more a, a class ouvrière. Working class does not exist anymore in 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 Europe. And uh, so all the the dreams of this period remain dreams. But you, you I mean, I think it is fascinating, fascinating. And the, the 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 persons, the, the the human being. I hope you will appreciate. Well, thank you very much for joining us. The close-up from the Film Society of Lincoln Center is produced by Nick Kemp and Michael Odemark. Our opening music is by Steelism. You can subscribe to the close-up on iTunes and Stitcher. The Film Society of Lincoln Center is a nonprofit arts organization based in New York City, supported by individuals just like you. Founded in 1969 to celebrate American and international cinema, the Film Society presents year-round programming recognizing established and emerging filmmakers, supporting important new work, and enhancing awareness, accessibility, and understanding of the moving image. To learn more about what we do and support the Film Society by becoming a member, please visit filmlink.org, F-I-L-M-L-I-N-C.org. The Film Society of Lincoln Center. Film lives here.